verses of scripture found in Philippians chapter 1. Verse 19 and 20. For I know that this, this place that I'm in, this crisis I'm dealing with, Paul said, this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ, watch this, shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Pray with me this morning. Father, we come before you right now thanking you for your presence, for your spirit that is here. Lord, may we exhaust ourselves in the presence of our King. May you be honored as you already have been by our worship, our singing, our dancing, our praising. There is no apology for giving you our very best. And now as we come to the breaking of the bread of life, would you just speak to us in a special way? May you be glorified, may you be honored, may you be praised. In Jesus' precious and holy and wonderful name. So last week we spent our time together, first Sunday back in the sanctuary, sharing about a world that simply wants to see Jesus. And with all that we have to offer in our local church and in our ministry, it is still safe to say that that is the craving of a lost, troubled, and hurting world. They just, they just want to see Jesus. Today I want to tie in with that message and talk for a few moments about magnifying Jesus. Get this in your spirit. The world wants to see Jesus. And it is your calling and my calling to magnify Jesus. I'm always fascinated by God's majestic creation. And down in this part of the state, there's just so, so many areas that boast to the beautiful handiwork of the Lord. None, one that I never get tired of, tired of is the clear, starry nighttime sky. I love it. I absolutely love it. I, one of the things I enjoy doing, I've shared this before, good weather seasons once or twice a week, I, I just enjoy prayer walking under the black velvet sky with all the beautiful jewels of heaven sparkling. And every time I do, I'm always reminded of the psalmist in Psalms chapter 8, verse 3 and 4. When he wrote these words, When I consider the heavens the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? Now, I've never been a close follower of astronomy. My experiences with astronomy 
would be when I was in school to sit in that big round room with that round ceiling, what we called the planetarium. And I was always fascinated by those experiences. But it is my understanding that with the right-powered and a high-powered telescope, that the stars of the night can be made bigger and they can be drawn closer. They can be magnified. The single purpose of that telescope is to magnify those stars that have been named by God and that moon, the lesser light for the night. One day as I was pondering on that, it, it struck me that that is my exact calling on this earth. More than my career, my income, my raising a family, my bucket list of goals and dreams and priorities, more than all of that, God has called me to be someone's high-powered telescope. Psalms 40 and 16 says it like this. Let all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let such as love your salvation say, continually the Lord be magnified. Be someone's telescope. Magnify Jesus. In another of the Psalms, it says, let them shout for joy. And be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yes, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified. Which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. In other words, make Jesus bigger continually. Draw Jesus closer continually. People see God's favor on your life. They see God's favor on your ministry, on your family, on your health, on your finances. Don't take credit for yourself. Magnify Jesus continually. It should be our single purpose. It should be the reason for our existence in this world is to make Jesus bigger and draw Jesus closer. Although I know whole religions worship Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus, would not want to be worshipped today. For her single purpose is found in Luke chapter 1 and verse 46 when, she, when these words were penned out of her mouth onto the paper of God's holy word. She said, my soul does magnify the Lord. The greatest king, as I mentioned earlier, that ever lived upon the earth, he's still enshrined today in Israel's history. There's actually a place where they have what they suppose to be the, the remains of King David was highly regarded as the greatest king in all of Israel's history. But did you know that he wrote in Psalms 34 and 3 these words, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Not only Mary and not only King David, but you take the writer of the, the two-thirds of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, who arguably won more people to the Lord than anybody else in the New Testament outside of Jesus himself. And listen to what he said in Philippians 1 and 20. He said, Christ be magnified in my body. In other words, we are supposed to be someone's telescope this week.
We're supposed to make Jesus bigger in someone's life this week. We're supposed to bring Jesus closer to someone's life in our daily walk. And you say, well, pastor, you just don't know the troubles that I have going on in my life. I have a lot of trials and and troubles and tribulations. I have anxiety and COVID-19 and employment obstacles and family crises and health issues. And you are challenging me today to magnify Jesus in someone else else's life if I am it seems as if I'm sinking and you want me to make Jesus bigger to someone else well as I was uh, thinking about that and pondering that and the Lord was dealing with me in Philippians chapter 1 I began to see that the Lord took some very strange tools to make the Apostle Paul a high-powered telescope for other people Let's look at a few of them this morning. There's three of them to be exact. The first thing I would say that Paul Paul had that magnified Jesus was the chains. The chains that Paul found himself in when he wrote this book. He was after all imprisoned and chains that had him bound. But he wrote and said, these chains are not binding me, but they are releasing me. Look at what he says in that first chapter in verses 12 through 14. He says, the chains that have him bound have served to further the gospel. How in the world can that be? I'll tell you how it can be. Because every, every, every six hours of a 24-hour period, a new Roman soldier would be bound to Paul to keep an eye on him. And so as he was chained in that prison, he could witness to four different guards over a 24-hour period. They couldn't run. They couldn't hide. They couldn't get away from him. They were chained to him to make sure he didn't get away. And while they were making sure he didn't get away. He was making sure they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. This elite praetorium guard is having Jesus magnified to them. He, it, Jesus is being made bigger to them. He's being drawn closer to them. And it would not have happened if it had not been for the chains that had Paul bound. In fact, if you flip over to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 9, he said these words. He said, I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds or chains. But then he went on to say, but the word of God is not bound. The word of God is not chained. He's in jail, but his single-mindedness has not changed. He's basically like this, whether I'm in an arena with thousands listening to me or whether I'm chained to a soldier at the nighttime hour, I am going to make Jesus bigger to someone. I'm going to draw Jesus closer to someone. I am going to magnify the Lord. You proclaim it in the chains. You practice it in the chains. You be someone's telescope. You make Jesus bigger. You draw Jesus closer. And did he not absolutely do that in Acts chapter 16 when he, along with Silas, were in a prison cell at night and they said, you know what? We're going to be someone's telescope. We're going to make Jesus bigger to someone. We're going to draw Jesus closer to someone. And Paul looks over at Silas and says, Silas, why don't we break out a song? And with their backs bloodied and and them chained to guards around them and other prisoners close by that could hear them, they began to sing and praise the Lord. And you know the rest of the story. Acts chapter 16, God sent a great earthquake and not only set them free, but set all the prisoners free.
free that were in prison. What I've come by to preach to you today is you may feel like during this season that there's some chains that are wrapped around you. I'm telling you, you don't need to despair. At some point in your future, the chains are going to be torn off. The shackles are going to fall at your side. But until then, you've got to make up your mind. I'm going to be someone's high-powered telescope. They're going to see Jesus shining through me. Well, praise the Lord. I'm not just going to proclaim it. I'm going to practice it. I'm going to stay determined in the chains that now I will magnify the Lord. But it wasn't only Paul's chains, but it was also Paul's critics that magnified Jesus. In that same chapter in verses 15 through 19 of Philippians chapter 1, you will discover that Paul had opponents within the body of Christ. He had people that didn't like him. It, is it not hard to believe and wrap your mind around that, that people would not like the Apostle Paul? He's sharing the good news of Christ. He even had, he had, it wasn't enough that he had religious people against him, but he also had people within the body of Christ that were, that were opposing him. Churches were divided. I know it's hard to believe, but believers were at odd with each other, even in the early church. Some were preaching Jesus, but without sincerity, making it much more difficult for the Apostle Paul to preach with sincerity. And some were allies. And and while some were allies, others were competitors that had their own agendas. While Paul is asking people, have you trusted in Jesus since you first believed? Have you looked to the Lord for your strength? and your help and your salvation while he's posing that question to everyone he's coming in contact with there's others that are asking in the church whose side are you on are you on Peter's side are you on Paul's side are you a follower of Jesus all these factions begin to happen you thought just church splits and division happened in our lifetime let me tell you as long as the church has been there's also always been allies and there's always been opponents there's always been competition in in the church, but Paul is so single-minded and so focused and so determined that he's going to be someone's high-powered telescope. He's so bound up with the idea, I'm going to make Jesus bigger. I'm going to bring Jesus closer that he even believes that his enemies and greatest critics can help him spread the gospel. They may not like him, but they're preaching Jesus. And he says, you know what? God bless them. As long as they're making a difference in the kingdom of God, he's so about the good news That even if his opponents and haters are against him, if they're preaching the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul is going to applaud them. This week I came across a story of two great evangelists, two great, well-known, historical evangelists. One was named John Wesley and the other was named George Whitfield. And while they both won many to the Lord, they had some sincere and divisive doctrinal differences in what they believed. While they believed in preaching Jesus, there were some other things in their doctrine that they did not agree upon. And they disagreed passionately with each other. But both were very successful. Both were seeing thousands come uh, to the Lord. And one day someone went up to John Wesley and asked him, do you expect to see George Whitfield when you get to heaven? And John Wesley said, no. Well, that shocked the person that asked him. And they said, don't you believe George Whitfield was saved? 
And John Wesley said, of course he's saved. But then he went on to say, I don't expect to see him initially because when we both get to heaven, he will be so close to the throne and I so far away that I will not be able to behold him right away. Oh, to realize in the body of Christ that we will always have differences, but we are not in competition with each other or with the church down the road. If we are doing the single-minded objective and fulfilling the vision of the Lord as a church, as a body of Christ, as a believer, then we will be pleasing to the Lord. You say, what is that? That is simply this. Make Jesus bigger to someone. Draw Jesus closer to someone. And if others around you don't necessarily agree with you, it's okay as long as Jesus Christ and him crucified and him glorified as long as that message is getting out there we are on the same team oh God help us to understand that we are to let our light so shine that men may see our works and yet glorify the father which is in heaven someone's salvation is depending on us the way we carry ourselves the way we respond to people and situations are so critical. I mean, let me just stop here for a moment. I'm going to tell you something. When I am angry, I am magnifying Donald and minimizing Jesus. Hello? Y'all still out there? When I am impatient, I am magnifying Donald and minimizing Jesus. You want a real test in patience? Get on the phone with your cell phone carrier and have them transfer you nine times over a two-hour period. God is my witness. And every time a person comes on, number four, number five, number six, I got to number nine and I thought I was going to lose everything. And the whole time I'm sitting there at my desk, I'm feeling this check in my spirit. I mean, my blood pressure's through the roof. But thankfully, I've still got my tongue under control. Thank you, ma'am, for your help today. Can't half understand them anyway. What's your name again? We got a bad connection. And the whole time, I'm wanting to blow one. I'm ready, ready to just blow up. But let's be honest. If I'd have let my patience, impatience get the best of me, I would have magnified Donald and minimized Jesus. When I'm selfish, I'm magnifying Donald and minimizing Jesus. I find myself more than I have in a long time since the first of the year Doing a lot of soul searching. A lot of soul searching regularly. And I've been soul searching over examining my thoughts, my words, and my deeds. You want some things to take inventory next time you're in prayer? Just start with those three things. You'll have a, you'll have a little time to, to spend there, won't you? You know, just you and the Lord talk about your thoughts, your words, and your deeds. You'll be there for a little bit. You'll be there for a little bit. That's been happening to me since first of the year. Thoughts, words, deeds. Thoughts, words, deeds. And this week I was, I was 
doing some introspection. It was Thursday. I was praying. And the Lord said, you know, I want you to leave thoughts, words, and deeds alone for a minute. And I want you to do some inspection on your attitude. A whole new realm was opened up to me. Why is that? Because when my attitude is wrong, Donald is magnified and Jesus is minimized. I'm preaching better than y'all shouting here. You'll always have supporters. You'll always have opponents. Don't be concerned over too many critics and be aware if all you get is attaboys. True? True? Many years ago, I'll never forget this as long as I live. Many years ago, I was preaching in my first church. I was preaching a strong message. And I had a man come up to me the following week, and he gave me what for? He said, you preached last week, and you gave my daughter nightmares. It was a graphic story in the Old Testament. It's when Jezebel got eaten by the dogs. It was graphic. I don't deny it. I'll never forget him chastising me for preaching a message that caused his daughter to have nightmares. But here's, here's the flip side of it. His little daughter was going to school and inviting her kindergarten teacher to come to church because her preacher changes colors and she wants her teacher to meet him. Her father's opposing me and the kid is my ally. Case in point, you're always going to have opponents and you're always going to have allies. Your supporters will see your trial of faith as being tested. Your adversaries will see your trial as your fault or your weakness or your punishment. But whether people are for you or against you, Jesus gets preached through your words, and Jesus gets practiced through your life and response. In good times, in bad times, in COVID-19 times. Some of y'all making me mad. Y'all posting pictures. Y'all eating in a restaurant somewhere, and you didn't even invite me to go. I looked at my wife last night. Can you believe this? Some of y'all driving three hours to go sit down in a restaurant. <laughs> Even in COVID-19 times, you have a calling, a single calling, to make Jesus bigger, to bring Jesus closer. I'm going to finish this, so just stay with me a few more minutes. More often than you think that you are, than you realize, you are a telescope by how you respond to someone's ridicule and criticism. Words you don't respond with. Body language you do not portray. Fiery eyes that are not lit up and glaring. And whether you believe it or know it or not, someone walks away when you handle yourself correctly and they say, 
Now that is big Jesus. Now that is closer Jesus. Paul's chains magnified Jesus. Paul's critics magnified Jesus. And then finally, Paul's crisis. He had plenty of them, just like you. Plenty of crises. But they would not, they could not deter him. He was so focused on magnifying Jesus. He said, none of these things move me. Oh, I want that kind of resolve and determination. He said, and God told him. He had a desire to preach the gospel in Rome. Okay? God told him he was going to Rome. He had a desire to go. God told him he was going. He thought he was going to Rome as a preacher. God sent him to Rome as a prisoner. I know too many that would have given up on their calling. If I can't go as a preacher, bless God, I'm not going. But he was determined. Whether I'm on a platform in an amphitheater and thousands are listening, or whether I go in chains as a prisoner, I have one purpose. To make Jesus bigger. To draw Jesus closer. Some of these names will be familiar to you. Fanny Crosby, who was blinded at six weeks old, in time wrote some of the greatest hymns and gospel songs of the church. A crisis. David Ring. If you've never heard the story of David Ring, a man born with cerebral palsy, but he's impacted hundreds of thousands of lives pointing them to Jesus, a true telescope testimony. Joni Erickson Tata, a quadriplegic who was paralyzed from her shoulders down. She was in such a bad physical way that she began to paint with her teeth. To date, has written over 40 books and recorded music. She had one purpose, make Jesus bigger and draw Jesus closer. Dave Reaver, on this Memorial Day weekend, certainly appropriate to recognize a man eight months into Vietnam who had a grenade explode on him and burned him greatly. Fourteen months and many surgeries later, he overcame and impacted literally thousands of people with his life story and his high-powered telescope testimony. I moved here from the Richmond area, and there's a guy up there named George Dennehy who has no arms and has played for several years the keyboard with his feet. I tell you, no matter what crisis you find yourself in, where you have been, where you are currently, where you may anticipate that you may be in the near future, you've got to make up your mind. Oh, come and let us magnify the Lord.
as Tony and the team come up, I want to share this with you in closing. It's a story told of a little boy. I actually heard it. Jess talk about it on the radio here a few weeks ago. It's a story told of a little boy that walked out one day and looked up into the big blue sky. Real small fella. His dad was standing by his side and he looked up into the blue sky and he saw a tiny plane flying across the sky. And this little fella, maybe three or four years old, he looked up to his dad and he said, Daddy! Asked him first, what is that? His dad told him that was a plane. He looked up and he said, Daddy! There is no way that I could fly on that plane. It is too small. It couldn't hold me. So his daddy took him by the hand. Let's take a trip. And he took the young son by the hand and they got in the car and drove over to the airport. He walked in and threw a window pane. That little boy was shown the daunting 747 jet passenger plane. Sitting outside the window. His eyes were real big. And he said, wow, Dad, that is so big. For sure that plane is big enough for me to fly on. That dad, for that little boy, made the plane bigger, drew the plane closer. It's our calling. God didn't put you on this earth to be a millionaire. Some of you might would think, boy, sure would be nice, though. Would it really be nice if it detracted you from making Jesus bigger and drawing Jesus closer? God didn't put you on this earth to make you successful, to be an executive in a large corporation, working 14, 15, 16 hours a day having your name as a celebrity up in lights. God didn't place you here for that. God created mankind for one purpose. And that was to make his son bigger and to draw his son closer to those who did not know him like you do. Would you stand with me? Lift your hand to the Lord. Would you lift your hand to the Lord?